Hey, it's Matt Bovee from It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. This NFL offseason, we can fit 25 hours in a day, and that's because of podcasts that make you more productive. When you're folding laundry, paying bills, making omelets, or any other tasks that you've got to get done, listen while you work. Do your chores and be entertained all at the same time. It's all about the bills, the news, insight, analysis, and of course, some jokes too, on demand, so it fits into your busy schedule. Follow the It's Always Game Day in Buffalo podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop. And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. I am Matt Bovee, sports director over at Channel 7 in Buffalo. As always, we are joined by Sal Capaccio, Bill Sideline reporter and beat reporter for WGR 550. And for the first time on this podcast, Woo! Matt Perino joining us for a segment here. What's up, buddy? What's going on? How are it you? feels great to be on the game day show with you boys. Um I've uh, I've listened to a few. I got to say, I'm not listening to as many as I would have would have liked to be before the first appearance only because how many podcasts are there out there now? It's like, (laughs) it's hard to kind of get through all, but the ones that I have listened to, I mean, you guys got a great dynamic. I told you both. uh, It's a really great addition to the scene. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it is. uh, There's a pretty crowded space out there right now. Right. I mean, anybody who wants any kind of content is going to be easily able to find it, especially with you and Ryan Talbot and doing your thing. Shout people can listen to that all the time. We'll give you a chance to plug that, but, you know, it's, it's increasingly changing the landscape of what we do. And it's, I always say it's hard to keep up. I just did my first Twitter spaces the other day, guys, like you've been doing it for a long time, but I had to figure it out. It took me literally 55 seconds to realize my mic was muted and I had to kind of unmute it and then start over again. Everything that Perino does is like a year in the future. So whatever the new thing that Perino is doing, I'm sure Sal and I will be doing that in a year from now. And then he'll be on to the next thing. Cause that's just Perino's style. He's always up with it. You're kind of correct there. I, I just think that like digital trends are so interesting. And I think that how fans consume what we do, it's always changing based on their convenience and their appetite for these different apps and platforms that we're on. And so I'm always just throwing stuff at the wall, trying them out, different things. I've had you guys both on Spaces before, and I actually, uh, Sal, I was impressed with the way that you you got going into that. I listened to a little bit of it. Uh, two thumbs up. Great work. I appreciate it. I mean, um, we'll, we'll be doing more of that. I'll be doing more of that. I was, um, I was happy. I had like, I think uh, like 1100 listeners total came in for like 35 minute time period. So I think that's pretty good. I don't really know, but I know that a lot of people out there were you know happy to have that opportunity because it's not always the time that I'm normally on, but we'll get into more of that. And Matt will tell you exactly how you can find him and listen to him and Ryan, but we want to talk about the Buffalo Bills and Saturday and what's going to happen against the Denver Broncos because we're past one preseason game. We got another coming up, and then we have the finale. Let me ask both of you first. Do you expect, because look, by the time people are listening to this, they'll know, but we don't know yet. Do you expect the starters to play at all? Do you expect Josh Allen to play? We'll hear from Sean McDermott, and he'll he'll say that, but what do you think right now? I don't. I, I don't think that either of the, the, any of the starters, I think it's going to be a lot like we saw last week. Um, could a few start on both sides of the ball? Yes. I mean, we heard Leslie Frazier say that, you know, Dane Jackson will play a little bit before the preseason's over when asked about him today. Uh, but I just get the sense that they want to probably get through this preseason 
uh, as injury-free as possible. They're already really banged up on their offensive line with Spencer Brown and Tommy Doyle both banged up. Tommy Doyle looking like this could be a, a few weeks type of thing uh, in that walking boot. So I, I'm not anticipating it, but I do think we'll see a little bit of it maybe in Carolina. I wouldn't let him on the field at any point, specifically Josh. I wouldn't let Josh play. I wouldn't let Diggs play. I wouldn't let Vaughn play. I wouldn't let either of the safeties play, either your starting linebackers, like any, like I wouldn't let Deion Dawkins or Mitch Morris play. I, I, there are very few people I would want on the field and just kind of like need to see them in game action. And it was something that I was actually talking to our colleague, Mike Catalana about earlier today when we were at Bill's practice And last year, they let Josh play in the preseason and they looked really good in their time out on the field against the Packers. And then they started the season slow. So I don't even necessarily know if there's a correlation between like, Oh, you need those preseason reps. And then it translates into the season. I don't really think that matters. I think getting through this entire summer as healthy as possible is so much more important. And the thing that I always come back to is risk reward is the risk greater than the reward. And in this case, I think it's way bigger than the reward. I don't even think it's close. So for me, I wouldn't let him play, but I will say this. If you are going to let your starters play one of these two games, I think it should be this game, not the other game against Carolina. I think you do it at home in a more controlled environment where you also have a little bit more time until the season starts in case something happens. But if it were me, I wouldn't let any of those starters play. Yeah, and we've already seen some injuries around the league. Zach Wilson, a scare there in New York. It looks like he's going to be you know better off than what the projections were initially. We saw in that Jets game against the Philadelphia Eagles, Jalen Hurts get drilled. And we've seen some injuries around the league in practices. Even just today, we're here recording this on Wednesday. Mecole Hardman leaves practice. Chris Jones, both in Kansas City. You can't prevent them all, but you can do what you can to mitigate as much as you can to prevent you know, all that kind of stuff. So before we get into our topic, and I'll let you kind of um, ask Matt about Saturday here, I have to actually do a correction, and I want to apologize to everybody. On the last pod, Matt, and on air on WGR, I think I incorrectly stated what would happen if the Bills released O.J. Howard. Uh, thank you very much to the people on Twitter who pointed that out. Um, I was going off numbers from the website Over the Cap, which were incorrect. Spot track, of course, our guy Mike Gennetti had the correct numbers. I've looked into the contract. If the Bills were to release O.J. Howard, it would actually cost them close to $3.2 million in dead money. However, yeah. 625K of that would be pushed into next year, but you're still talking about close to $2.6 million in dead money this season. And that's why Matt, Matt, uh, Matt Perino, Matt Bove and I were having a discussion about the tight ends. It is one of the positions I'm interested in. A lot of it is because of the money with OJ Howard. A lot of it is because all these guys played into the fourth quarter last week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the tight end situation is really interesting. And I think after Howard, it's interesting because I think they have two guys that they really like. I, I, I think that they're they're big fans of um, uh, Quentin Morris. Uh, Tommy Sweeney's been in the program for a few years. And I think b having the confidence in those guys could put some pressure on Howard. But what I think, Matt, you tweeted today, I, to I totally think makes a ton of sense is like, I just don't think that anything can happen for OJ Howard in the preseason or training camp to dissuade them from trying out what it looks like in the regular season. I think you can put one or both of those guys on the practice squad in Sweeney and Morris, test out what things look like with Howard once you get into the season. And I think part of the problem here is the complexity of this offense. And you see it when you ask Howard about how things are getting settled in here is I just think it's a little, a lot on his plate. And I just think that that's 
not allowing him to maybe play as fast as everybody wants to see him play. And it might be a little bit more, all right, walk before you run. You're not going to have as much opportunity early on, but what, let's see what this looks like in November. Or maybe they think that he's just cooked and, and the, the, the lack of athleticism is something that they can't even go into the season relying on him as that second tight end. I just, I don't think we're there yet, despite the, the lack of productivity from him so far. When you look at the other two, when you look at Sweeney and you look at Morris, how do you think that plays out? Because to me, I would say I'm going to give Sweeney like a 70% chance of making the team and I'll give Morris like a 30% chance at making the team. Do you guys feel like those numbers are close or do you guys feel differently about that? I'd, I I agree. I, I'd agree about Sweeney at about 70. I'd put Morris way down there, probably at 10, only because I think that they think they could probably get him back on their practice squad. Uh, he spent the majority of last year there, uh, if not all of it. Uh, and I don't think teams are going to be clamoring for a depth tight end like that. So I think, listen, if they want to, if they don't love OJ Howard, they know that, you know, on a game day, they can, they can make Tommy Sweeney active and they know what they'll get from him. I think that that adds to the conversation when you're, when you're trying to get down to 53, what, let me throw an idea past you guys. And we talked about it on our show tonight. So what do you think about them keeping six cornerbacks? Well, seven, if you count Taron Johnson, keeping both Benford and Cam Lewis and maybe cutting Taiwan Jones. I know that's like a crazy thing to suggest, but if you noticed the other day, they're working Cam Lewis as that number one uh, gunner with those two starters on the bench. Cam Lewis's style, it suggests that he be a really good gunner in training. If that's the case, maybe they can move on from Taiwan Jones, go a little bit deeper at cornerback. You know what they, how much they like Cam Lewis, and then maybe find some spots in other places. I don't know, just an idea as we start to look at some of these position groups. I think that it's a good idea. I don't necessarily think it's an idea that they would follow through with. I think they value Taiwan Jones more than we probably even give them credit for. And I think the fact that he was inactive last last Saturday probably speaks to that. But mm -hmm. whenever it comes to these depth guys or more of these role players, I am always of the belief that when you have an opportunity to get younger and cheaper, you probably should because Cam Lewis homegrown talent, quite literally. And he hasn't really had an opportunity to step up maybe the way that some fans have wanted him to, but when called upon, he has been good. And if he can carve out a role as a special teams player, that is going to have him be on a team for a long time and probably this team for a long time. So I think that Taiwan still makes the team. I don't know how many corners they're going to keep. I don't think it'll be more than six. That's just kind of my guess. And I bet that they can still get cam onto the practice squad. That being said, it's not a foregone conclusion because there's some tape out on him now and he is a pretty nice player. So I think some other teams might try and snag him. I will Kim say Lewis. from what I've heard, they won't get him back on the practice squad. No, if oh, Cam Lewis go. hits the waiver wire, I think the Giants are all over him. I mean, Joe yeah. Shane out there, point. right? I mean, I don't think there's any way that he sneaks back to the practice squad. Now, Matt, I don't, Matt Perino, I don't hate the idea you're throwing around. I do agree with Bove that there's a difference between the ideas that we come up with and what we might do versus what we think they would do. And that's always the two parts of our job. We kind of tell everybody what we think should happen. Mm -hmm. And then we say what we think will happen. I just think that they value Taiwan Jones. Look, if this was a team kind of rebuilding or whatever, of course it's a different it's a different discussion. I think they are so locked in on trying to win a Super Bowl. They don't even want a punt going the other way to hurt them. So Taiwan Jones, because a guy that is really, you know, a big part of what they do. Now Bove and I talked about this in the same realm, not not at that position, but wide receiver. After the day that Isaiah Hodgins had last week, Perino, 
I think maybe he's bumping Jay Kumaro off the roster. Now, Kumaro is also a special teams guy, but Hodgins had eight special team snaps last week. Kumaro had none. Maybe that's an indication they want to see what Hodgins can do. And if he offers enough special teams value, it doesn't have to be everything, but if he offers enough, then maybe that's the move that they make because they really want him on offense. Uh, is Green Bay on the horn after Aaron Rodgers' <laughs> rant about right. the receivers? I mean, it, I, I think you probably try to flip Kumaro. There's some guys on this team that I don't think that you caught you look to trade like i think uh hodgins falls into this category kumaro lewis cody ford if they're finally ready to move on from him which i don't think that they are i think he played pretty well the other day and i think they still think they could throw him around at both guard spots and in a pinch at tackle so you know we've been out of practice last couple days they are banged up on the offensive line no spencer brown today tommy doyle in a boot they might get to a spot where you know david questenberry and Deion dawkins can start who are they throwing in their attack afterwards? Are you going to trust things over to, you know, Bobby Hart, who looked like a turnstile again in the preseason game, or maybe Luke Tenuta? I mean, there are, I don't know. You might get to a point where you're saying, you know what, we're it's DEFCON five. Let's throw Cody Ford back out at right tackle because we think it might be better than some of these other options. Do you think though, let me go back to, do you think that Hodgins could take a spot from Kumaro? Do you think they're fighting for one spot? Yes. I think they're fighting for one spot. And I don't think Tavon Austin makes the roster. I think it ends up being six receivers. I agree, I agree with you. Yeah. I on the offensive that- line, by the way, real quick on the offensive line. Yeah. They're, look, they, they, they were down to their, by choice, basically, they started their fourth string center on last Saturday, Greg Van Roten, right? I mean, Morse didn't play. Mm-hmm. Greg Manns is banged up. He was Ryan Bates didn't play. They were down to that. So, you know, that's why I don't think it was easy to kind of, um, you know, even evaluate case Keenum and what he, and what he's able to do. Go right. ahead, Bove. I'm sorry. No, what I was going to say was going back to Perino's topic about would they move on from Taiwan Jones and keep the extra cornerback. I think it's more likely that they keep four running backs. They keep Taiwan Jones, but they only keep two tight ends because they're confident that they can get either Sweeney or Morris to the practice squad, if not both of them. And then in case of emergency, they can break glass and they can get one of those guys back on the 53 man roster. So I think it's more likely they only keep two tight ends on the 53 man roster. If they have one of those other different, decisions that they have to make. I think in a perfect world, they probably want to keep three, but this is the reality of having a really good roster. Like there's going to be good players that are going to be left off the 53. I think the more of those moves you can make where you ship somebody off for a seventh round pick, you just do it and you get that asset. But at the same time, it feels like getting one or two of those is probably the ceiling for how many of those they could actually make. Matt Perino from New York Upstate Syracuse.com joining us on It's Always Game Day in Buffalo. Matt, can you stick around a little bit? You want to talk a little bit more? Can you do that for us? Yeah. 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 All right. Yeah. All right we'll be back with Matt Perino.